Hey guys, and welcome into the premiere episode of season three of Chase the Unknown. My name is Roger Sisk. I'm your host, along with my co-host, Trinity Dobbs. It's incredible that we've made it this far. I can't believe that we're in season three already. It's it's really honestly incredible. I can't believe we've been this far already. I mean, it feels like the the first two went by so quickly. They really did. They really did. It's it's amazing that we have this opportunity and this platform to share with you guys and hopefully to support you guys as well. We've got some incredible guests lined up coming up this season. And speaking of that, today on the podcast, we have Brendan from the YouTube channel Master Talk, where he teaches other people communicate more effectively and master your talk. How are you doing today, Brendan? Thanks, thanks for having me, man. It's great to be here. So, Brendan, can you tell us why you started Master Talk and why you're so passionate about teaching other people on the art of communication and how to present better? So, yeah, basically what happened, guys, is I was in university. I used to do these things called case competitions. It's like professional sports for nerds. Like, mm-hmm. so a lot of people play basketball or something, not me. Yeah. So, what I did is I did presentations competitively for three years. Was wow. Obsessed with it. Yeah. Wow. I know it makes no sense whatsoever. But anyways, did that. <laughs> Left university, realized that I should probably make an impact in the world. Then I started making YouTube videos on the subject, and it uh, blew up. Yeah. That's it. That's I feel incredible. like you and Roger are about to become best friends. <laughs> <laughs> just because, because y'all seem to have a lot in common already, just based off of the fact that, you know, Olympic sports for nerds is what I just heard. So I feel like Roger will fit right in. How is that? How is that? How would I fit in with that? <laughs> well, because you're... Never, we won't go into that. That's a whole different rabbit trail. The nerdiest thing I have is a baby Yoda sitting on my speaker. I mean, like that's pretty cool. <laughs> that see, that is cool though. But that's the nerdiest. That's the nerdiest I go. I mean, but anyway, so, but anyway, anyway. Um, how did you initially get interested in um in competing? So essentially, what a case competition is is a business gives you a problem. And you have to solve the problem and present a solution in a couple of hours. So I know you're thinking right away, who the hell does that for fun? That was my <laughs> life. That was my life for three years. So imagine this, okay? We're in yeah. a room. There's a bunch of 20-year-olds in a room. Okay. okay. Walmart was a case sponsor a few years ago. And the guy who's presenting the problem of the company is not a store manager at Walmart. It's the senior vice president of the company. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting there as a 20-year-old and the guy has literally worked in the company longer than you've been alive. And he's like, solve my problem. You got a day figured out. So that's what a case competition is. Lots of fun. Dang. Wow. That's that's, like impressive. I can imagine that really does like challenge your critical thinking and make you stress muscles that I feel like a lot of people don't normally use. You know, we, every day we kind of have our, our normal, okay, what am I going to eat for breakfast? What are we, what am I going to eat for lunch? You know, we have these little choices and little, um, problems you could say that we've got to work out on a daily basis but when it comes to kind of that level i'm sure that's a that's a muscle that not a lot of people are exercising every day most likely for like you said three years you got it man we we literally don't even have lunch it's not allowed in case (laughs) competitions it's just or to put that in like in to put that in film terms it's like if you enter one of those like 48 hour film competitions you know and you you, you're, it's like it's no no lunch, no it's walking lunches, walking dinners. You've always. It wouldn't even all, be forty eight hours though. It'd be like less than twenty four, right? 
Well, they have, yeah, it would be like 24 by the time you got sleep, yeah, but, I mean, the people that I've known that have entered in before, they really don't sleep at all during those 48 hours. (laughs) They get maybe like three hours of sleep a night or something, just because they don't want to waste time. You got the right eye for this, Trinity. You're right, me and Roger (laughs) do have a lot in common. (laughs) You never know. You never really know. (laughs) Um, but Brendan, you mentioned that um, you know you came through university, you you started debate, you know you you started competing. Um, you found out through that, I imagine that you had this passion for um, communicating and for at the end of the day teaching other people to communicate. Was there a specific moment where it kind of clicked in terms of like, okay, like this is what I want to do. This is what I this is what I feel like I have to offer and give to the rest of the world. Absolutely. You know, for me, it's always been comparing my skills against everyone else on the market. So for me, I was, I didn't ever want to be a businessman or a YouTuber or entrepreneur. You know, I wanted to be like Trinity, start a matchmaking business. No, I'm kidding. But honestly, all I wanted to do was, oh, to, all I wanted to do was be an executive at a company. Mm-hmm. Right? I wanted to be like one of those corporate guns on Wall Street, make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, have a great family and then die. Like that wasn't yeah. aspiring for much else. But when I found my gift in communication in those three years, I kind of did all these presentations. And a lot of the students back, back in the days were always asked me the same question I never had a good answer to. The question was, how did you learn how to speak? And I said, well, I don't really know. But after so many students asked me the question, I was just curious. I went on YouTube to see what was out there. And I was vomiting in my mouth the whole day. I was just like, it's so terrible. All this <laughs> advice is horrendously bad. You have all these PhDs who are like, oh, you should like be yourself, Roger. Trinity, you should like focus within. I was just like, what the hell? So anyways, <laughs> I started making videos in my mother's basement and it kind of turned into something bigger than that. That's awesome. So you saw a niche in the niche in the market. You saw a need in the market, and you said, "Hey, this is an area where I just happen to be passionate about. Why don't I? Who who's better than myself to fill that role?" Like, 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 exactly. Let me give you an example. How old are you two? Are you guys in university? Like 19, 20, 21? I'm twenty nine. You're twenty nine. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, I'm actually twenty seven. Oh, actually, my birthday's wow. in January. Wow, you two will hate me. Okay, perfect. I, I really didn't. <laughs> we don't hate okay. you, I promise. No, we don't hate so you. Long. It's fine. I oh, actually okay. enjoy getting mistaken for. She, she, gets, she still gets 15, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. No, I, I guess like 22, which is great, actually. I mean, it's good to be younger for your age, right? I mean, yeah. I look like I'm 15, so it's great, right? Yeah, I still, get, I still play 16 year olds in film movies, so. <laughs> That's so cool that you do films. But is, the point that I'm driving is. Think about it. Let's say you were 20 or even 27. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there okay. anyone in their 20s right now making public speaking YouTube videos that you can relate to besides me? Not, not that I've speaking. seen. No. Public speaking. I'm talking about public speaking coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, not public speaking. Not that I've seen, no. The only, thing that clo- the only thing that would come close would be I've seen a couple of like life coaches, but not Which, like legit public speaking. Right, nobody's doing it in my my niche, in our age group. So it's a niche that that was really strong for me to go into, and it turned up to be the right one to, for me to pursue. Wow, that's incredible! And one thing again, one thing you mentioned, I think you just mentioned a moment ago, I think um, that is extremely profound, um, is that you said you know you're you working a job and you're you're you you kind of just had this you could say quote normal 
life that you wanted to live in terms of, you know, get the get the executive job, get the family, get the get the car and the white pick a fence whole deal, you know, and then die. Basically make a bunch of, make a bunch of money and then die basically. But when you found this um almost calling of teaching other people about how to communicate and how to public not only public speak but communicate effectively, in a way it gave you kind of a new purpose in life. I completely agree. You're right. Like impact has always been important to me, Rod. Sorry, I'll let you finish. Sorry, go ahead. No worries. I was just going to say, you know, I deeply believe, you know, that um, our purpose is inherently tied to passion, you know, and I feel like that's one of the reasons why it's so important to go out and chase your dreams, you know, it's because a lot of your purpose comes out of what you're passionate about and the other way around. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think the way I think about it, you two, is, at the beginning of the journey, mm-hmm. the goal, in my opinion, is to be wealthy enough so you can pursue what you want to do 24-7. Mm-hmm. That's the, the, the way I've always thought about it. So impact has always been important to me, even at the yeah. beginning. Even with my goal was to make money. It's just my strategy at the time was make a lot of it and donate a lot of it. Right? Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't really think beyond that. It was just, you know, make a great living, have a great family. I, never, I was never into materialistic things. That's not yeah. why I wanted <laughs> to pursue it. Yeah. It was more just, Order like an extra like water at a restaurant. It's like crazy, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. so anyways, but when I achieved the financial success, not at that level, but, you know, as mm-hmm. an level, I, I got bored of it really quickly. I said, wait a minute, I actually don't need that much money. I might as well just mm-hmm. do master talk instead and focus on that. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's oh, one of those things where your priorities shifted. You know, you said you found a way and you're like, hey, I'm on this journey now. And now I've kind of, as I've been going down this road and this journey, I've realized that, honestly, maybe even subconsciously, you know, um, you realized that you had a perspective shift. You had your goals have changed because you realized that, okay, there's more. There's more than this. Right. So let me ask this question. If you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you started or realized your passion and how old are you now? Just to give the, the listeners some type of idea. Yeah, that's the right question to ask, Trinity. So yeah, I started Master Talk when I was 22. I realized I was probably one of the top speech coaches in the world at probably 21 with through all of this random events. And, and I started making YouTube videos, 22. I'm 24 now. Okay, yeah. Oh, wow. So you've only been doing this like three years. I've been coaching for, for two five, years. actually. But, five, I, but okay. I started YouTube two years ago. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So all the listeners out there, you are never too young to start chasing your dreams. Exactly. And we've said this time and time again, you know, of -hmm. of don't. We are actually talking a little bit about this um, in our finale for season two, you know, is that um, never, never believe that you need to have, in quote, like your ducks in a row to chase your dreams or chase what you're passionate about or change chase what you what you really want to do you know there are ways to if if it's strictly like Brendan was saying you know if it's strictly a monetary thing you know you can find ways to still chase your dreams while still being you could say like a quote responsible adult you know I I feel like a lot of times that's an excuse that holds a lot of people back um, is that they don't feel like they feel like they have to have all their quote ducks in a row before they go after what they actually want out of life. Completely. And, and, and this whole concept of getting your ducks in a row, 
you know, that checklist we put, oh, I got to get a degree. I got to get married. I got to do all these things. Who invented that checklist? I know, right? Right. Just who, who's the bozo invented that? Like, it, it's like, it's like telling us, oh, you need to have a PhD in podcasting to podcast. Like, it wouldn't yeah. make any sense. All we need to understand is what does an expert mean? An expert means that you're one chapter ahead of the next person. Am I the number one speech coach in the world? No, but I can relate to an audience that mm-hmm. can only relate to me. And that's the key. As long as you know mm-hmm. a bit more than the next person, you can coach the person behind you, just not yeah. in front of you. That's all. Exactly. It's the same concept. Again, we've been talking about on the podcast here of, you know, having a value for um, looking, kind of looking behind you and saying, okay, what do I know that I can pass down? You know, I am in no way looking down on other people or looking down at people behind me, but because I have a va- that value for passing on what I know down, that own, that own, that is a way of not only giving back, but it's a way to constantly grow as well because it keeps your keeps your head on straight, honestly. You know, it allows you to continually learn and continually grow from people that are above you that are doing that. And then that's also giving by doing that, that's also giving you a value to this to turn around and do the same thing. And it gives you the community community to help other people. So and totally. the support system that, you know, some people may need. To Absolutely, do that as well. totally. Completely agree. Yeah. So you got out of you got out of university. You know, you yeah. re, you realized you had this passion for um, communicating and all. What was what happened after that? Just tell tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, what happened was I, once again never had any intention of creating a business out of it. I wanted to use communication like all the other people that I did the program with mm-hmm. to get to get a top job as an executive. Because yeah. most great communicators in the world are not speech coaches. They're CEOs of companies, they're mm-hmm. artists, they're, they're different things that is not coaching the actual skill. Yeah. But what I realized was I, I just like coaching people. I like helping yeah. people. I like adding value, even if I did it for free. And now I coach mostly executives. But when I started, it was, you know, just university students for free. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, it's, it's really this idea of, because I always like to play big in life, about mm-hmm. how do I create a an encyclopedia of public speaking. When I die, mm. people can learn from me forever in the same way that a lot of people read Dale Carnegie's work. Mm. I want people to do that with me, but through video. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's really so, cool. Well, so why do you think, you know, we've talked a lot about communication so far. Why, this is a question we probably should have started out with, but why do you feel like mastering your communication? And as you say, you know, mastering your talk is so important for other people. Yeah, the way I say it, the way I, I think about it, is communication is very little to do with presentations. That's why I think a lot of people miss. They, they equate communication to, oh, crap, i got to present in front of like 70 people. This sucks. No, no, no. Communication is every interaction that you have in your life. Mm-hmm. It's the tough conversations you have with your family. It's the great conversation you have with your friends over dinner. It's the way you talk to the delivery guy who gives you pizza. Every interaction is communication. Yeah. So the punchline is communication doesn't just improve the way that you present. It improves the very life that you're living. So improve it because it will help you a lot in general. Mm, yeah, that's that's so good. Wow. Yeah, it's one of those, like, I, I love to talk, but talking and communicating are very different, from especially with the way you mm, just worded it. That's it's a good so, point. Like, I love to talk and just hang out with friends, but when you put it in – that when you word it that way, it just takes a whole new perspective yeah. on it. And I hope the audience like heard that exact yeah. phrase because it's important. Because I mean, whenever totally. you communicate, it doesn't matter how you communicate, whether you're talking to 
you know, the pizza delivery guy mm-hmm. or you're working on a film project, yeah. you know, the way that the characters all talk yeah. is communication as well because they're all communicating different totally. things that are going on in their, uh, you know, fictional lives. Totally, yeah. It's it's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, I was, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day um, and we were talking about, you know, how technologies really kind of come in and maybe it's the convenience of that has led to a loss in just learning how to communicate effectively and um, transparently. You know, I feel like, you know, in today's culture where, you know, people are, you don't want to talk to somebody anymore, you just ghost them, you know, or um, instead of having a hard conversation, you know, people, I don't want to throw a blanket statement over everyone, but in my experience, I've found that it's hard for people to have a, a hard conversation because they just don't want to. And why? When they can just ghost them. Yes, yeah, so I think the way I see it, Roger, is I don't a hundred percent agree. Just because, like, I, I I love how you know it's so easy for us mm-hmm. to say, oh, you know, because of social media, mm-hmm. every every kid is like hiding under their bed and this like, yeah. well, yeah. I, I think there's more to this story than that. Oh, totally. There's, there's a lot, and, and I agree with in that way. I think we're on the same mm-hmm. page here. I, I think the way I see it, is social media is a tool. Totally. And it's <laughs> use the tool in the way that you see it. So for me, if, if YouTube wasn't around, there is no way I would be able to share my knowledge with thousands of people. Mm-hmm. In the same way that other YouTubers share a lot of great information that people like me have benefited from for free, right? Yeah. That's one side. The other side of the equation, going back to using this as a tool, is now mm-hmm. is the easiest time in history to connect with your tribe. The people who have the exact same interests as you. So mm-hmm. let's say, yeah. let's say you have this bizarre addiction to stamp collecting, which is something you've been doing as a kid. So 50 years ago, everyone would call you a loser in your village. I'm kidding. In your town. And you wouldn't have any other friends, stamp collecting friends. You'd give up on it. But today you can find the other 73 people in your city who just happen to like stamp collecting and comparing mm. the 1983 stamps. I don't, I'm not a stamp collector, so I don't know. Totally. But you get the idea. So it's all about using it as a tool. But you're right. Most people don't use it as the right tool. They don't use it in the right way. And it could damage the way that they communicate. Totally, totally. It, it's one of those things, you know, it, 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 honestly, honestly, that can be a whole other conversation for a whole other time because it really is, in a way, a loaded subject. We, yeah. that, we won't get into that today. That's a whole other loaded <laughs> issue. But <laughs> you mentioned YouTube um, a few minutes ago and how you're using that as a tool and as a platform to reach other people. What was that, what was that process like when you decided you wanted to start making YouTube content? Um, what was that experience like? going from not really knowing much of anything or how to even make a YouTube video into the content you create today on the platform. Because that's one thing that really stuck out to me when I first saw your videos was, wow, these are really good. Not only does he know what he's talking about, but he has great content. It's produced very well. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. But yeah, I sucked at the beginning. I was you know, I was just, I was making videos with literally Trinity's phone. Like she borrowed her phone to me and that was my, that was my budget, right? And on my mother's couch, I was just taking photos, I mean, not photos, videos of just me and just, hey, it's master talk and I don't know what's happening. But over time, what happened, and this is what I recommend people who want to be YouTubers, who want to be content creators, you just got to create, right? Mm. You got to keep making stuff. Because it's the fastest way to figure out if you even want to do this. Mm, like for yeah. me, what I realized six months in is I really didn't like making YouTube videos until 
I outsourced it to somebody else. Interesting. I'm not a big fan of like the video editing, mm. the art. I'm the kind of guy who likes creating content. I'm like a teacher, mm-hmm. right? I like creating content, speaking on the camera. I don't like any of the other process. Yeah. Luckily, my best friend loves all the rest. He likes those knickknacks, cannons, and all that stuff. So, <laughs> that's so me. I film. Yeah, that's you, right? Yeah. Like, I hate that kind of shit, right? See, like, that. See, you and I are similar in that aspect. I love creating content, but I can't stand editing. She's Roger she's the creative editing. person. I'm the technical guru. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. So I have that with my with my partner Danny. That's awesome. You know, he's just he's like the awesome. He's like a menswear consultant. He even knows how to dress me and everything. He's like my. <laughs> He's he's the legend. So uh, so yeah, exactly. So I've been blessed with that. Now I love making YouTube videos because yeah. he just takes care of everything for me. And you've been able to find that person again. This is something something else we've also talked about in the podcast before. You know, find that person that has passions and er- interests and areas that you hate or you just don't enjoy and that you're not good at. That's the power of community. Is we can create better things together. Because we are not all naturally wired to love the same thing. Would you say, um, and this is kind of calling back to our last episode of season two, um, where we talked about some of um, the mistakes myself and Trinity have made in the past, you know, in our kind of journey to become um, better and more excellent creatives and storytellers. Would you say there's been some mistakes that you've made in the past, you know, on this journey to learn how to teach people, not only learn to teach people, but like you said, um, the whole YouTube journey and everything you've been through over the last um, five years of coaching, what, what would you say have been some of the mistakes that you've made? And can you give our audience any specific practical advice on how to avoid those maybe? So maybe our listeners don't have to go through the same experience you did. You know, they don't have to go through the same learning experiences, say we or you did. Absolutely. I mean, what didn't I screw up? Jeez, <laughs> seriously. But I, but I would say the, the biggest mistake I probably made is I spent too much time on one marketing channel. So I had this crazy idea when I started, which was if I get all the university professors to share my videos with their students, it's game over, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone will know Master Talk because I'll get the distribution yeah. and I'll just grow like crazy. 50,000 emails and six months of work later, I failed and got a bunch of hate email. Mm. So I wasted so much time sending a bunch of emails. Hi, sir. Hi, sir. Hi, sir. Hi, sir. It just didn't work. It was a stupid idea. Because there there are people, like some people just aren't welcome. Like some communities just don't care about you if they don't know you. Yeah. So I started to transition and it helped me rethink um, how to promote this. And obviously I had the idea for podcast guessing. That's what we're doing now because mm-hmm. this community is a lot more open. As long as it's good ideas and they matter, they'll have you on the show. Right. So, th- so that's the key. It's all about the lesson there is mm-hmm. don't waste your time on things that don't work. Have people around you who constantly tell you when you're wrong and say, Hey, try this, try this instead until you find that right golden nuggets to, to rush for, uh, for the finish line you're looking to get. Mm, that's, that's so good. I, I feel like that's one thing that we, that's a bit of advice we really haven't heard from anyone on the podcast yet, which is great because I definitely feel that's super important. Was We talked about this last um, last time wrapping up season two is how do you accept yeah. negative feedback? And I'm sure you've gotten exactly. some negative feedback in the past, Brendan, you know, of um, whether someone necessarily doesn't agree with you or they think you should be doing it differently. You know, um, how do you how do you take that feedback and go, OK, I don't quite agree with you here. You know, maybe it's an excellence thing or who knows what it's about. You know, I don't quite agree with you here, but but you talk, definitely have a point over here. You know, I could definitely improve in this. I could definitely grow in this area. 
You know, I, I strongly believe that we have to fail in order to grow. It's just a natural part of life and learning is that how else are we going to learn that we need to grow and that we need to change and evolve and fix things and be willing to grow unless we fail. Fail is a prime motivator for growth. And we have to start seeing it as that, as opposed to feeling bad because we failed. Failing doesn't speak volumes about who you are or what you're capable of. It just says, hey, you didn't, you didn't, you failed this time. It, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean, oh, I can never do anything right. It just means we need to use that as a learning opportunity to grow. Right. I, I totally agree with that. And I have, a, I have a bit of a complex framework here, but I'll try and break this down for people in the best possible way. The best founders, the smartest people I've ever met do the following. They listen to everyone and ignore everyone at the same time. Mm. What does that mean? That means for me to understand what best piece of information works for me, I need to first listen to all of the perspectives and figure out the best course of action. I'll give you an easy corny example. So I'm 24 and I, live, I still live with my mother and I don't plan on moving out until I'm 30. So most people who look at that decision in the generalized, Americanized, Canadian culture would say, that doesn't make any sense, Brendan. You're, you're, you make a lot of money. Um, you should be independent. You should live on your own. And that's, that's advice that most people would say. And then the other side of the spectrum is you should stay at home. You should spend time with your parents. You should get, spend time with your family. So what's the truth, right? You have both opposite ends. So, so what you need to do is you need to look at both lens and see what makes the most sense for your goals and your priorities. Mm, so I mean, it, it, it made so much more sense to stay with my mom. I'm, I'm, I don't, yeah. I'm not from a dysfunctional family, except my mm-hmm. father, but he passed away a long time ago. Mm. So it makes perfect sense to live with my mom. Yeah. And I pay most of the bills. So life is great. Right? So it's all about you got to pick the right decision that makes sense for you. Whereas, Roger, you could say something like, I'm not to pick on you. Let's say uh, Julia could say something like, well, Brent, that won't work for me because my mother like hates me. Right? I would say, okay, mm-hmm. perfect. That doesn't work for you. So there's always advice. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, yeah, go ahead. people, I can, I can actually bounce off of that is where, you know, like I actually live in, I live, you know, just south of Atlanta, but I have three roommates that I live with and I chose not to live with my parents. Because my parents have lived in two different states since I moved out six years ago. So they have traveled back and forth multiple times. And I didn't want to do that because I wanted to stay here and focus on my dreams of, you know, pursuing the film industry, which is mainly in Atlanta right now, which is why Mm -hmm. I moved here in the first place. So for me, that makes more sense than to live at home with my parents. There you go. That's literally perfect. Exactly. Whereas, you know, then there's, you know, other people like, I just want to move out because I want to start my life and get married. At 19, I mean, if that's what you want to do, go for it. But, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. Yeah, right. totally. That's totally, it. totally. Like, like, for example, like what I would say to that 19-year-old, I would say, I wouldn't say yes or no. I would say before you make the decision, ask other people who made that decision and see what happened to them. Mm, yeah. And if all of those people go, hey, I'm super happy. Life is great. I had a kid at 22 and life is great. Then, hey, if you yeah. want their life, go for it. But if the opposite is true then question the decision. That's all. Question? But but the second part of that framework is understand what feedback that's negative is actually useful and that isn't. Mm -hmm. Here's a good way of understanding it. The best people who give negative feedback and the people who who I surround myself with are are, are do what I call solution-oriented feedback. So let's say I hate your hat, Roger. Okay. (laughs) What what a problem is, like a bad way of getting feedback is saying, I hate your hat, go change it. Mm-hmm. versus 
good negative feedback is, hey, hey, Roger, I think you should take your hat off because I, I, you need people to see your full face and you can connect better with your audience so you can grow your audience and your following and people can relate to you. Mm-hmm. Notice how that's still negative criticism. I still hate your hat. I love your hat, but that's great. But notice how the way I'm spinning that feedback is more oriented to what the goal that you want. Yeah. So I hate yeah. when people go, I hate master talk. Versus people who go, I don't really like the video you did here, Brendan, because of X, Y, Z. I would actually think about this instead. Mm. That's gold for me. So it's all about that constructive criticism mm, and seeing yeah. people actually want to see you win. Uh, that's 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 really. I've never thought about that that that, that way, but it makes that's total sense. That makes so much sense. That's a great insight. For sure. For sure. As we're um we're we're running out of time today, but as we're wrapping up here, do you have any um any tips or any um, practical advice you could give our audience for for anyone out there that um wants to get better at communicating and wants to learn how to communicate more effectively? Would you have any practical um, tips for them just in everyday life? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm I'm happy to close with my easiest technique. It's called the puzzle method. So public speaking, guys, is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those toy puzzles you kind of do with your friends and family? I guess now because it's COVID, everyone's doing puzzles. So if I asked you, let's say I asked Trinity, let's say you're working on this puzzle, which pieces would you start with first and why? I would say um, probably the edges. But I would, I would get the border first and then start kind of filling in the detail from there, if that makes sense. Kind of going from the outer edges and working in. Right. And I completely agree. Now the question we need to ask ourselves is why don't we do that in public speaking? We have a presentation at work, at school, at a conference. So what do we do? We start at the middle. We shove a bunch of content. We get to the presentation. We ramble throughout the whole thing. We get to the last slide. It sounds something like this. Uh, thanks. That's probably like 95% of all the presentations I hear. But there's an easy way to fix this. Treat it like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Practice your introduction 50 times, not three times, not five times. Do it 50 times. It's actually not that hard. Each Mm -hmm. of your intros will be a minute. It'll take you an hour, give or take. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. 50 times. In two hours of practice, you'll master public speaking. Because you look at your presentation and go, Wow, I'm pretty good at this public speaking thing. Yeah. My introduction sounds so good, but much like a jigsaw puzzle, mm-hmm. who does a thousand piece puzzle on their own? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody I know. So after you finish those two parts and you tackle the middle, do it with a friend, yeah. do it with the community, do it with people who want to see you win, who want to bounce ideas off you. They don't yeah. need to be communication experts. They just mm-hmm. need to be someone yeah. who want to help you yeah. do it and solve the puzzle. Yeah. That totally makes sense. I mean, even from a, a potential psychological point of view, you know, that opening and that close, you know, most likely those are going to be the two parts that people are going to remember the most. You know, he, even in filmmaking, um, we say, you know, have us what's your what's your beginning, what's your middle and what's your end? You know, because most likely those are going to be the, the three spots that people are going to remember the most. And so you need to work on those those three spots the most, which goes exactly hand in hand with which what with what you're saying. Um, another thing you said just a moment ago that I loved is you said surround yourself with people who want to see you win. Surround yourself with people who want to see you win, not yes people, not yes men, yes women, not people that will just kiss your butt, 
um, and not people that are overly harsh on you. Totally. You want people that are going to give you negative feedback. Exactly. But you want people to see, ultimately give you negative feedback because they want to see you win. Well, thank you, Brendan, again so much for coming on the podcast today. This has been a lot of fun. Of course. Thanks for having me yeah. here, too. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. And of course, all the way from Montreal, which is only our second person from Canada. Yes. So, get around the globe slowly here. (laughs) Good, we're we're chasing the the unknown. Exactly. Yeah, the the unknown territory of Canada. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. We all live in England. It's true. Again, Brennan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and talking a little bit about you know how to master your talk and how to. communicate more effectively just in everyday life um you know no matter what phase of life you're in we can there's always something to learn there's always something we can grow in and if if you guys are interested in um seeing some of brendan's content over on master talk he has a youtube channel um we'll link that in the show notes below um go ahead and check it out he's got really good stuff there also if you have not followed us on social media yet we are at right time media now across everything on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Right Time Productions has not gone away. Think of that as maybe, say, our sister brand, um, where we can dedicate projects such as, you know, um, projects we want to do in in the future as far as um, potential features and more narrative work. Um, But as we're expanding as Right Time Media, Chase the Unknown is now officially a Right Time Media brand. With all that being said, next week we also have a wonderful new guest for you, and we'll see you back here next Wednesday. And never forget to always chase your unknown.